everyone. Welcome to this February episode of Coming Attractions with the Asian Film Archive. Uh, my name is Vic Nash. Uh, hi, I'm KV. <laughs> and uh, yeah, today we're here again, going uh, to talk to you about our upcoming programs and give you some insights on you know, why we chose some of these films uh, and also some additional programs uh, that we will talk about today as well. Mm. So the first thing, as we always talk about, is our new films, right, which are uh, part of our regular releases and restore programs. So, uh, yeah. Yep. So, I think for February, we, I think we have two two new films. Well, one new film and one new old film, as usual. So, I'm gonna talk about the the, the release that we are gonna be showing, presenting to the audience here. So, I think these two films, firstly, are about the every man, the every man in 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 in, in societies of maybe more. Um, well, one in India and one in, in China. And then uh, I'm going to talk about the film called Nazir. And it's directed by Arun Karthik. And it's actually a, a, a film that is adap- adapted by Dilip Kumar's short story, A Clark's Story. So that's the title of the, the short, short story itself. And really this film really captivated us because it seems pretty ordinary on the surface but there's a lot of undercurrents that hopefully people can can discover as they they watch along and it's really about an observational chronicle of one seemingly ordinary day in the life of a seemingly ordinary sari salesman um, in the southern city of uh, Kombato which is a city in the south Indian state of Tamil Nadu so a bit of this Indian state is actually a vast majority of um, hin- Hindu devotees uh, who follow the Hindu faith, of course, but there is also a considerable Muslim minority, numbering nearly ten percent of the community. So I think that kind of hopefully sets the context to this film. And as I mentioned, um, Nazir is a ordinary salesman, but he's also of the Muslim faith. So I think as we go through this very intimate experience with this guy, um, there will be a sense of like. Like dormant participation in his life, and and it's also through this very intimate four by three aspect ratio cinematography, which um which really brings people closer to his um life, his interactions with his wife, his um you know selling saris and all this while in the backdrop of um, different conversations and different prayers that happens in the backdrop, and uh, I'm not going to review too much, but um religion runs like an invisible thread through this whole film and seemingly non-threatening until intolerance rears its ugly hate so that's how I would introduce this film yeah and uh, you know we are it's, it's by a film by uh, sort of an upcoming up voice in Tamil mm. cinema or Indian cinema uh, this is his second feature yep. and it uh, it won the uh, NetPack award at the Rotterdam Film Festival in mm. 2020 mm. so I think he's definitely a, a a director to watch out for, and we are, you know, happy to be presenting his new work. Mm. Um, and yeah, like KV mentioned, uh, the the release and restored film kind of uh, serendipitously have a connection. We didn't plan it that way, but it sort of ha- they have we a did connection. Plan it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're both about like a day in the life of a, of an ordinary citizen, except you know one is set in 2019 in India. Another one is set in 1997 in China, mm. uh, which is our restored film called Xiao Wu, which was, when it first came out, was also called Pickpocket or Artisan Pickpocket. Uh, it is 
Chia Chanka's uh, debut film, as some of you might know, Chia Chanka is uh, you know one of the most well-known you know, cinematic voices in the in the world. I would say, uh, especially in East Asian or Chinese language cinema. Um, some of you might know his more recent works, such as Ash is Purest White, uh, Mountains May Depart, um, and Touch of Sin. Uh, for some of you who might have been introduced to his work more recently, uh, and of course from the 2000s, you know there are several festival favorites he made, such as Platform, um, The World, and uh, films like that, 24 City. Mm-hmm. So this is his debut film, and uh, Xiao is the name of the titular character in the film, who is a sort of a small-time crook. You know his main uh, his main trick is uh, pickpocketing mm. <laughs> uh, quite unsuccessfully but he sort of like floats around town um, and he's, he's, you can see like it's very hard for him to fit in because this is set in 1997 where China was really you know, emerging as a global power really and uh, if you look at it in the context of Asia uh, it, along with the sort of the Asian tigers like Korea uh, Singapore you know they were all economies that were emerging and of course as you might also know 1997 was also the year of the Asian financial crisis where you know all these economies were, went boom and then they went bust um, but yeah significant point in um, Asian and Chinese history and you see uh, Xiao as someone who is unable to keep up with his, pe- with his uh, peers and his family members who have all sort of moved on. You know, mm. They've moved on from petty crimes or, 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 or small trades into um, you know, just upgrading in life. You know, his friends start to get married and he's, he's someone who sees himself as like, you know, he can't really go anywhere. So he just sort of trots around town. He uh, kind of goes into this like KTV bar, befriends a hostess, gets rejected. Um, but what you see here is really a parallel story of how um, you know you you see uh, uh, you hear stories about a, a country's uh, socio-economic development, but you don't really think about the people who get left out, mm-hmm. you know, the people who don't uh, who quite kind of miss the boat in that sense. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those stories, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, it really gives you this uh, a diverse picture of what the world was like in this part of the world at that time. Mm. And I think when it came out, uh, I, b- I believe it premiered in the Berlin Film Festival. Uh, it won an award. It went on to win uh, several other awards. And it really announced the arrival of uh, a bold new cinematic voice. You know, Someone who was able to tell a story uh, through very fresh perspectives. Um, and the film itself, interestingly, was filmed in uh, Jia Zhangke's own hometown called Fenyang. Uh, he shot it with a very sort of minimal crew, uh, sort of handheld, very guerrilla style, and all the actors actors in this film were sort of street cast. They were non actors, and after this film, actually, many of them went on to to actually act in in, in films and and be professional actors and, and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, this film was uh, very highly regarded at this time, and it's still kind of considered a very key film in uh, in East Asian cinema or Chinese language cinema, and it got restored recently uh, by the Film Foundation, Martin Scorsese's Film Foundation, mm. which actually might know also restored the uh, Iranian film Chess Game of the Wind, which we, uh, we screened last month. Um, and yeah, that is mm. the restored film for the month of February. And uh, next up, we actually would like to also bring back to what else is happening in February, which is a continuation from the State of Motion 2021 Alternate Ops Realities Film Programme. And we're continuing that from January into into deep into February. 
And um, but before we go into the films, I would actually like this opportunity to give the stage to actually three of our uh, a few, sorry a few of our participating uh, exhibiting artists uh, in in the visual arts exhibition, and they also made visual um, video based audio video based works. And I'd like to actually give them the time to share a bit about their works, and hopefully people have the chance to still come to the exhibition. Uh, I think about a week's left um, for you guys to, to see this local commissioned new works from the Asian Film Archive. Hello, hi, I'm Diva and I'm an artist and I'm exhibiting at State of Motion 2021 alternate slash up realities. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, as an artist, I work in the mediums of installation, digital media, and sometimes performance as well. And for this exhibition, um, I'm showing a new work entitled Shelter Skelter. Um, so the story of um, Shelter Skelter, or what's behind it, is that um, there's this museum um, called the Ancient Civilization Museum. And um, in the year 2,222, um, it's holding an exhibition um, about the year 2022. What goes on in the lore of this exhibition is that um, Singapore has faced multiple crisis, crises um, in terms of... Um, like a global pandemic, um, the rising sea levels and climate change, and also um, digital data corruption through cyber warfare um, from neighboring envious nations. Yeah, so... Um, the exhibition, you know, it takes place in this bunker that was um, used to preserve the last remaining denizens of Singapore. So, you know, within the exhibition, you'll find um, copious amounts of Indomie and um, a lot of houseplants as well, um, you know. And these were things that the last remaining citizens of Singapore, um, you know, relied on to occupy their time or to survive within, you know, all these crises. Yeah. So, you know, with the Indomie, you'll find, um, you know, it's described as the eternal Indomie stockpile because um, it is really the last remaining food source that was left to Singaporeans. And... Yeah, you know, the plants, um, you know, it's reminiscent of, um, you know, the values of care and, you know, growth progress that, you know, Singaporeans really hold um, near and dear to their hearts. Yeah, and so throughout this exhibition, you'll find um, videos in, that are displayed in... Um, ancient technologies such as televisions and, you know, a computer. And it basically goes through um, explaining the 
um, process of um, digital data recovery and um, piecing together the history of Singapore in the years 2022 um, by the program from the Ancient Civilization Museum entitled um, the System Integrated Technotronic Interpreter um, or also known as City, who takes the form of a regular Singaporean girl. And so City sort of guides you around, um, you know, digital remappings of Singapore and, um, you know, looks into the lifestyles um, and cultures and um, yeah, modes of living of the last remaining denizens of Singapore. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of fun, I guess, first and foremost. Um, and yeah, um, I think it's, it's a cute story and you should go and see it. Yeah, um, all right then, thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Debbie and welcome to my house. Now we're inside the house and um, welcome to the studio where I make all the things. I don't have a studio so this is my house where I make stuff. This is where I work on the project which I like to call The Legend of Debbie uh, where I've taken a lot of my works that I've done over the years and I've now made them into a giant gallery full of portals into other worlds. I guess as an artist, uh, I've been making different kinds of works over the years um, and a lot of what I've made um, over the last 10 years has been presented in a rather traditional format of an exhibition. Uh, you know, a lot of it is shown in a traditional physical exhibition. So I spend a lot of time building up a, a physical show, you know, building physical works, uh, arranging the works in a space. And then, uh, you know, people come down to see it. And sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not because, you know, I've got other things that I do as well. Um, I've got a day job, I've got a baby, I've got other projects I'm working on all the time. So, you know, building a, a physical thing, um, you know, it's uh, the thing is that I, I, even though I have built a lot of physical shows, uh, I also find that I get a lot out of talking to people, giving the talk. It's almost the things around, you know, making a work. It's almost like uh, when I'm standing there and telling people about all these uh, physical works that I've built, you know. Um, I also figure out how to tell the story in a different way. Um, and uh, so, you know, I thought about why not, um, why not try to make it kind of literal, you know, like in the, uh, in a, in a, in the game world, you know. Uh, it's you know in a, it make it into an interactive world where there's this narrator who's going to tell you um, about the work about the work itself. So you see all the pictures of my work, and sort of all, all of them become sort of a space you know that 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 you wander through. So you know I wanted to have this interactive game uh, where you would walk around and. You know, the the narrator would sort of tell you about all the different works. Uh, there'd be a small ragdoll puppet that was going to talk and bounce along as it spoke, you know. But of course, um, how do you say, time constraints, you know. So, you know, when we often talk about the idea of, you know, uh, uh, digitalization or, or artists thinking of how they translate their work into a digital format. So, you know, but I think it also takes a bit of uh, maybe skill or knowledge of the medium in order to translate it in the way that you intend it. So for me, over the years, you know, I forced myself to 
uh, gain some sort of creating skills, coding skills that are necessary so I could build it on my own. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't think I've totally cracked the way of working just yet, but um, it's enough for me to, to build the, the space like this, you know, all the things that I want to build, you know. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I'm able to kind of force myself to sort of translate it into these spaces where um, you can walk walk into it and, um, you know, you see you, you see sort of a narrator telling you about it, um, telling you about the different spaces, uh, the, the, the story, a story, but the story itself that I'm telling you is, uh, you know, not exactly the exact story. I wanted the kind of, I wanted this Debbie, Debbie narrator to be sort of a, almost like parody of myself, you know, but of course, um, over the years, I've almost find myself becoming a parody of myself to the point of parody times parody, like, what, what, what's going on? So, you know, a lot of the stories are meant to sort of uh, transport you to another place without having to leave uh, leave the spot, you know. So it's a bit like when someone tells you a story about another time and place, uh, or you read a book or watch a film, and then you feel yourself transported to a different reality, a different world, you know, where, um, you know, a bit like, I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of imagine making future versions of this experience where, you know, um, you're, you're, you're just, uh, uh, all the stories that I'm telling will be different. I'm going to change up all the stories again, a bit like layers of pain, of, of graffiti being ex you know, accidentally peeled off a wall, you know. So for me, it's kind of like an experiment with the narrative possibilities of an uh, interactive video game, you know. Um, I think it's only at the start, really. So this is the the legend of Debbie, uh, which I should say as well, the legend refers to the map legend, you know. So a map legend tells you about what kind of things there are, you know, like a uh, kind of like a wormhole, you know, or uh, a, a sort of a way out, you know. So you have a legend that tells you where the things are. Okay, yeah. So this is a legend. You can also see. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Future, the Republic of Sinki is divided. If seaweed means money, then I gotta live, breathe, and love seaweed. The core is in nothing but thieves. I'm constantly reminded of the fact that I don't belong. The roots of fire and border. This is not sci fi. This is. Heartbreak. Hello, we are Pure Eva, and we're here to introduce our latest project called Sunset X. This is not sci-fi, this is heartbreak. So a little bit about us. Uh, we, Pure Eva is an alliance of people whose goal is to provide visibility for underrepresented or emerging creatives across all vectors of political, social, and creative interests. We also aspire to find commonality and collective foresight through nuanced and intense forms of art making. One that hopefully occupies a more generous spirit of collaboration, creativity, networking, and solidarity making. So before we start, I just want to read the synopsis real quick to kind of give you guys a brief idea of what the film is about. 
It is a dismaying tale of forbidden love between three individuals from Republic of Sinki. With a flourishing kelp industry that is turning the country's capital into capital, the bearing of a capitalist scene upon the contemporary struggles of the Sinki people is, re is reflected through the lives of Eden, Yasmin, and Wanji. In a non-linear ocean of visual fantasy, eco-enterprise, cult economy, and alternative imaginings of spirituality, the protagonists find themselves mired in a rupturing apocalypse of the harrowing heart. Yeah, so for, for Sunset X, we actually were looking at, you know, how people would more or less dress in the future with the circumstances of the environment and also, you know, these two different or three, yeah, two different groups of people, you know, with like striking differences, you know, so the way they live and the way they are would inform how, you know, be informed by how they dress as well. So, for example, for Yasmin's character, she, we looked at pieces that were a bit more, you know, easy to move and more functional and things that were more um, body, like uh, fitted to the body. And then you know, for Eden's character, we looked for things that were a bit more, I guess, formal looking or a bit more towards like how, um, what might necessarily be accepted or normalized in the future. Yeah. So we have, you know, costume designers like Farah who designs pieces that are a bit more uh, maximalist and a bit more like things that are a bit more extravagant. So, you know, they fit, they fitted out really well as her designs have and things were very voluminous. And then we had like Brian who worked with, you know, colors of green and blue, which were very much in because we, you know, we talked a lot about kelp and also the seed as well as the set. So we have other costume designers like Mia, Masri, uh, Jane, who all also had, you know, pieces that were, for Jane's especially, uh, hers was very much functional, so you could move around easily in her dress pieces, and they were all very, I guess, like, tech wear. Yes, then for Masri's pieces, it was, you know, they had the use of, like, light, when you shine light on his uh, garments, they actually would reflect. So that was how we imagined you know, the mix of like colors, functionality, and also, I guess, uh, design that is more for the body. Yeah, mm -hmm. and how, you know, that would help them live mm -hmm. in the environment in the future. Yeah. I'm um, gonna start the set. So I think most of our shoots, it was mostly done in the studio. So when it comes to like a confined space, uh, set design comes to play an important role, I would say. Um, Prior the shoot, we did like a very thorough planning on the type of set we want to execute and produce, aligning with the script that we wrote. So before we set out to source for like for the props like, like uh, fabrics, rocks, and uh, vase. So we made we even made like a giant stone from scratch. From scratch, uh, yeah. But uh, we are also very thankful for our collaborators, Gandhi and Akash, who generally, generously offered and contributed most of their items to this film. Um, I think without our contribu contributions, we couldn't have made this film pretty. So, other than filming in a studio, we also did outdoor shoots. But outdoor shoot comes with a challenge as well. Prior to the shoot, we did a location recce. So our selected location was Changi Beach, Jurong Hill, and Marina One. Yeah, shown as like For us, um, shooting outdoor is quite tough. It was a challenge because like um, Mother Nature itself is unaware of the importance of the shoot. 
So, and one of our late night um, shoot, uh, it started drizzling and we had to come up with solutions to protect our film equipment sets and most importantly our cast members to avoid them getting a cold. And also I think with the pandemic that's going on right now, we have to make sure that our cast and crew members on set adhere to government guidelines on social distancing. So yeah, uh, overall um, filming both outdoors and indoors was a fun and insightful experience for all of us. And I think we learned a lot from this. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the food design in the film, which actually isn't that big a part of the film. But um, we wanted to also imagine the kind of food that people would be eating in the city, in that city at that time. So, you know, things that were sort of relatable, seem familiar, but still um, you could place in the future. And we thought of using jellies because they had this very uh, clear sort of like clinical feeling, but it could also do, it could also look very pretty. And then one of the other reasons we chose jellies, it's because um, konyaku itself is actually made from seaweed. So we were kind of imagining like a konyaku, like proliferation in, the, in, a, in, a, in a place where, you know, seaweed also had been expanded, expensively growing. So not only um, uh, the film, the film and storyline is important, but uh, towards making the film, we also considered music, and uh, to collaborate with musicians uh, locally and regionally, such as Cosmic Child, a band in Singapore, Anti Shift, who's an electronic musician, uh, Victoria, who's a musician also from Malaysia, and. Uh, also, Zachary Dominguez, who's also a, a classical musician. Uh, one of the collabs we did were with Zachary and his team of singers from um, Yongsuto Conservatory of Music. And he was the one who composed the prelude intro for the film, which is currently available on our Instagram. Uh, yeah, so he, he called it La Siren X which is a play of words from uh, La Sirena, which is uh, a mythical creature in the sea. Uh, in, uh, I think a Filipino mythical creature who's a sea witch. So, so this sort of um, uh, was inspired by the plot that we written, which is also an ode to the sea prairie as well in, in the film. Yeah, I guess you could say that like um, Sunset X is kind of like um, our reinterpretation of like a whole much part of um, like film references that are under the sci-fi genre. And of course, like when we first approached to do this um, commission, Kiwi like very kindly gave us this amazing like recommendation, which is Apocalypse X, which was showing at Oldham Theatre like a few weeks ago. Um, amazing film from our Malaysian counterparts. And I think the thing about our film is that, you know, we can call it as uh, like a like a somewhat non-linear film, but there are a lot of like points and tropes that we did note from you know, some of the references here, which also include like Shulia Chang's IKU 
um, below that it's a pet shop horrors uh, an anime that's kind of like quite obscure but and only available on youtube like a few episodes of them uh, on the right column is tokyo drifter and below that is actually uh one of the scenes from um timing liang's film uh which film is it it's a wayward club yeah where one of the main characters kind of like transforms into this like water water creature water dragon and it's just kind of like frolicking in a half empty water tank so um yeah i think if you watch our film you can see like you know pops of like where we got influences from all these other films I think these are just an overview of some of the elements that got put into the film that we we felt reflected not only the the narrative, the characters, but also like each of us as an individual as well as a collective. And that's how we envisioned like a, a sort of future um, that was reflective of our own present. And we would like to thank um, State of Motion and the curators, Kaylee, Shaida, for having us. It's been really, really fun. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should go see it. It's at um, Marina One West Tower Level 4. And if you want more information, it's on the State of Motion website and also on our Instagram, which is what? Pure. Pure.ever. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. All right, so uh, what you've just heard are some words from a, a selected few artists from State of Motion. Um, and, um, and actually, we, you know, we, we mentioned uh, State of Motion last week and, we, and KV spoke quite a bit about it. Um, there's like the exhibition, the film programs, but there are also many other sort of programs and talks happening. So yep. KV, maybe you want to talk a bit about that. Yeah, so, so just now what we heard was from the, the local artists from Singapore. And these are all like newly commissioned works for the show. And for other dialogue sessions that we also have uh, published since, uh, you can actually find it on our website and our on, on, on Asian Film Archive's Facebook. So we have actually two other uh, artist panel discussions that has already been released, um, uh, I think, last month. So those are already available. So... Of course, this what you just saw was kind of like an exclusive for Singapore Community Radio, for them to actually sh for for the other artists that didn't get to be on board this panel discussions for them to share a bit of their works. So uh, yeah, as I mentioned, there are these published talks that are already online for you guys to to watch to know more about the arts exhibition. There is also this special uh, audio lab tour um, called City Walks that is already available at the exhibition itself. So these are powered by uh, QR codes on the individual artwork uh, information panels that is on site. So uh, as some people might know, State of Motion has always had like a tour component to it for, for, the, public, for the public to really get to uh, up close, to get a more intimate understanding of the show. And this time around, we've uh, kind of decided against it because I think the whole physical idea of having tours is definitely a bit more troublesome in this time and age. So what we had done is to invite an AI uh, called CT. So CT is also an, uh, an kind of imaginary, well, an invention from um, Diva Aga's artwork called uh, Shelter Skelter. 
and basically she expands herself into the whole exhibition to give everyone a little take on her experiences of the show. So that can be found at the show itself through QR codes for people to find out. And um, of course, we still have the film screenings. So then that's something that we should be talking about now because that leads into uh, the, fe- the month of February. I think by this time, um, there are still quite a few films left and this is our chance to actually share them with you. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think with, with February, like we have some quite distinctive Southeast Asian films to, to share and today we are going to share three of them and uh, how about Vignesh you can start off with the, the yeah. one film sure that, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah you know last week uh, KB highlighted like three of three picks and uh, t- today we're going to talk about three more picks for this uh, kind of last stretch of the film program so uh, the first film uh, that I, I would like to talk about is called Ten Years Thailand which was uh, it's an anthology film from 2018 it's actually part of a franchise of sorts that started with uh, 10 years, the film 10 years, uh, which was in Hong Kong in 2015. Uh, it was, again, another anthology film brought together some uh, young emerging directors uh, to talk about, uh, sort of project Hong Kong into the next 10 years to see where they are headed, you know, politically, socially. Uh, and you know, each film took a certain sociopolitical topic and sort of expanded on it. And when it came out, it was, you know, uh, it was received very well. Famously, it uh, beat Star Wars in the box office. <laughs> um, and it won- went on to win several awards. And because of its sort of very political um, nature about Hong Kong independence, it was also famously banned by China um, and very embraced by, by, by Hong Kongers in general. Um, it then inspired a, a series of spin-off projects, um, namely from Japan, Taiwan, uh, and of course from Thailand, which are also doing very similar things about projecting their own country's um, kind of trajectory into, the, into 10 years into the future. Uh, so here we have four directors who are of very distinctive style. We have uh, Aditya Asarat, we have uh, Chulayanon Siripal, we have uh, Wisit Sasanatyang, and Apichapong Wirasetaku, uh, who many of you might know. Um, and yeah, you, you get these very four different takes on where Thailand is headed. Um, quite poignant if you look at how things are now with the you know, re-emergence of a certain social um, consciousness and, and um, uh, protests uh, that started in 2020, largely youth-led in Thailand. I guess these films take on a, a, an interesting new meaning in a sense. Um, also in the context of the region, as some of you might know, this sort of... Uh, Meme of solidarity called the Milk Tea Alliance, which is something that is uh, that that unites um, activists and protesters from Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Thailand, who are sort of united by their own um, cultural uh, milk tea. You know, so whenever you have uh, tweets or, or or social media posts by people from these different countries, they sort of hashtag Milk Tea Alliance as a form of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you look at it as as a as, as this film French franchise as well, we started in Hong Kong and then went on to these other countries. You get this sense that, you know, we are all in this together, trying to own uh, our own history uh, and our own democratic freedoms. Um, and so, this is a film that is, um, it's an, I guess, it's an interesting take on on the idea of science fiction. You know, 
it's not just about aliens and technology and, <laughs> and you know, and teleportation or whatever, but also the idea of science fiction has always been about people envisioning for themselves uh, a different future uh, or a future that they would like to, to own and achieve. Um, and this is such a film. So there's 10 years Thailand. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And yep. So, so that was 10 years Thailand and uh, for, for myself, I will introduce two Southeast Asian, distinctively Southeast Asian films, but about alien encounters. But then again, these alien encounters is maybe not what you might imagine them to be. It's not in the very traditional sci-fi way. As these filmmakers, independent filmmakers, actually interpret the idea of alien in, in more contemplative ways, uh, if I might say. So the first film that I would like to introduce is this film called For My Alien Friend, directed by Jack Leco. Uh, uh, from Philippines and this film will be making its international premiere with us so we're very honoured that Jet has allowed us to host this film to our Singapore audience this film is um, it, it takes the form of an alien encounter by way of um, so-called a time capsule if I if I was to interpret it such so it's a time capsule of an unknown narrator's audio-visual fragments, his memories, and it's almost like he broadcasted this time capsule into the unknown uh, and for someone to pick it up. Hence, he's actually trying to reach out to, to someone to, to look at his life on Earth in an unstated time period. Um, so in that sense, he's actually really um, showing a personal visual diary of himself over the his his years of living, I think his uh, in his mid thirties now. So we're talking about a span of maybe uh, thirty plus years. And in this film, you actually see personal anecdotes, philosophical philosophical musings, as well as memories of um, with his mother, with his family, uh, with his friends, and even with his ex girlfriend. So like basically, his memories being jumbled up almost in a stream of unconscious stream of consciousness way, uh, like how human mind works a lot. And um, I guess at the end of the day, uh, my interpretation is that he's trying to reach out, uh, the alien that he's trying to reach out is to an unknown viewer, which might be you, if you come and join us uh, at, at Odom Theatre here. Um, because I guess he is trying to introduce his life in the way that he knows it, um, the, the way that he lives it in an existential uh, sense. And um, yeah, to try to connect to you as a viewer and I think that is a device that I think he uses quite well in this film. So hopefully, alien friends can join us at this screening. The other film, yeah. The other film is a Vietnamese film. It's called The Tree House, directed by uh, Trong Minh Ki. And it's a film also quite self-referential in a way. And it's about a Vietnamese filmmaker who relocates, or have relocated to planet Mars in the year 2045. So it's some, something that's set in the future. But then the whole film has no um, visuals of Mars at all. In fact, Mars is only being represented by a black frame. So again, it's subverting the ideas of what sci-fi movies look like or even sound like. So it's actually someone who is trying to communicate back to planet Earth or to look back at archival footages. And in particular, these archival footages are of a rural um, forested area in Vietnam, particularly focusing on some ethnic communities, which in 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 a way also 
made to feel alien in their own place. So there's a certain parallel, a parallel that he's trying to make. And I guess the the idea of this alien relationship um, extends to the state and to a very personal sense how everyone is trying to construct an identity. And if um, memories are lost, how can people do that? You know, in in and how how that how identities get affected by the loss of memories. So there is this like tenuous relationship in this film that I've, I found really moving. And again, these two so-called alien encounter sci-fi films, alternative ones, um, hopefully we can um, bring an audience here for people to appreciate them. Yep. Yep. So these three films will all be sort of screening over the next few days and there are only one screening uh, left of each, I believe. I believe, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And I guess uh, with this, we also like to close the session. Yeah. So we we'll close the session by again um, promoting to everyone what is upcoming that we know of. So our monographs project is still ongoing. And um, as the months go on, we will be releasing um, essays, uh, the written essays um, every month. And um, we will also be making announcements hopefully soon about um, the video essays that um, probably will be released sometime um, in mid this year. So those will be, we'll, we'll let you guys know about that. And I think there's another exciting announcement for the month of March that yeah. I would like Vignesh. Uh, so uh, you know, we've been working on this for a while now. Uh, this is our new series that we're launching called Retrospective. Uh, where we will take this time to take a deep dive into particular filmmakers' uh, works. Um, and the first filmmaker that we've sort of uh, chosen to, to, to helm this series uh, in March will be none other than, none other than. Wong Kawai. <laughs> Which I think everyone is familiar, well, hopefully everyone is familiar with. If you're not familiar with him, then, well, you should come down and watch. This because is the time to do it. Yeah, and these films are all restored um, 4K, um, and well, this is a really rare chance, and it has kind of made its rounds um, around North America. And well, this will be the Singapore premiere of this restored uh, Wong Kar Wai classics. And hopefully, you'll join us right here at the Odom Theatre for that. That is coming up in March, and we will speak more about Wong Kar Wai yeah. for the next episode. But till then, um, this is the episode for February 2021. Yep. And. Uh Thanks again to Singapore Community Radio for, for this uh, wonderful collaboration. And um, thank you all for uh, listening and supporting. And uh, you know, please, uh, if you have any feedback or any comments, do write in to uh, SGCR or just to us, uh, Asian Film Archive. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So uh, thank you very much and we'll see you next month. And see you at the theatres. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>